بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا ما يهده الله فلا مضل له وما يضلله فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا أما بعد ما جب بدن سستر السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته so I recently attended uh, a conference on this past Monday and Tuesday and the conference was on like dealing with kids who are at risk of like violence and radicalization and problems that kids face in general and I was a bit apprehensive in attending this conference because I was like I don't know anyone that's attending this conference like literally I will not know anyone and this is my fear about like a, a week or two ago and it was interesting that on Sunday I was in, in Ottawa and on my way back from Ottawa there's two brothers on my flight, like clearly visibly Muslim. They were in Kufis, you know, one of them had the liquor beads and so on and so forth. And I'm like, Salaamu Alaikum, I'm like, you guys are heading to Calgary? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, what are you guys going for? They're like, there's this conference that's happening. And, you know, that's what we're going for. And I was like, SubhanAllah, you know, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala knew I didn't want to be alone. And, you know, here he's sending two brothers all the way from Ottawa. Now, the interesting story about one of the brothers was that he was like maybe about three or four years ago, I was at another conference and he was my driver at that conference. So I got to know him a bit then and then at the conference on Sunday, I saw him there as well. And then he just happened to be on my flight as well. And I thought to myself, SubhanAllah, you know, in life, there's nothing that happens by coincidence. There's nothing that happens by coincidence. Everything purely happens by the qadr of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and he knows what he's doing. And this is the story I originally wanted to start off with. I started my halaq off with how Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is in complete control and he knows what he's doing. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent a bigger ayah, which was, you know, praying Salatul Maghrib over here. The second, in the second rakah, the Imam was reciting from Surah Al-An'am. And I want to share with you the verse that, that he was reciting. So he said, A'udhu billahi min ishtan al-rajim, wa'indahu mafatihu al-ghaybi la ya'lamuha illahu, wa ya'lamu ma fi al-barri wal-bahr, wa ma tasqutu min warakatin illa ya'lamuha, wa la habbatin fi dhulumati al-ardi, wa la rutubin, wa la yabis, illa fi kitabin mubin. And with him are the keys of the unseen, none knows them but he. And he knows whatever there is in the land and in the sea, not a leaf falls but he knows it. There's not a grain in the darkness of the earth, nor anything fresh or dry, but it is written in a clear record. And this verse is directly speaking about Qadr, subhanAllah. And if you look into the Qur'an, you know, it's like, you know, 6,000 odd verses in the Qur'an. The Imam could have recited any of them in the Salah, but he chose to recite this verse. And it's just, you know, there's these constant signs of the Qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in control, you know, in, in all of our affairs. Now, when it comes to Qadr, as you know, in the famous hadith of Jibreel, Jibreel, he taught the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the arkan of Iman, and he said that, to the arkan of Iman are six things, right? And tu'minu billahi wa malaikatihi wa kutubihi wa rusulihi wal yawm al-akhir wal qadr khayrihi wa sharrihi That, you know, the, the pillars of Iman are six. They are to believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are to believe in the prophets. They are to believe in the angels. They are to believe in the books. They are to believe in the last day. And it is to believe in qadr, the good of it and the bad of it. Meaning that as a Muslim, you will not have any faith until you believe in qadr. And Qadr, as we'll come to see, is not just believing in the destiny that Allah has, you know, created. But it is believing in much, much more than that. And that is, you know, what a part of our, our faith entails. There's a famous quote by Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, where he says, Al-Qadru nidham al-Tawheed, faman wahad Allah wa kathaba bil-Qadr, faqad naqada takthibuhu tawheedah. That he says, 
that qadr is you know the 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 the, the, the map or the system that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created it is the the the, the system of, of tawhid and whoever believes in the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but denies qadr then has denied the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then he has denied the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Imam Ahmad rahimahullah, he used to say that whoever disbelieves in the qadr of Allah has disbelieved in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he used to say, al-qadru qudratullah, that qadr is the capability of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when you deny the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is as if you're denying the capability of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're denying the capability of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now their belief in qadr was actually quite simple. You know, they used to say, كُلُّ شَيْءٍ بِقَدَرْ حَتَّى وَدَعَكَ يَدَكَ عَلَىٰ خَدِكَ That, you know, everything is by the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even the placing of your hand on your cheek is, uh, you know, for, uh, on, uh, on yourself, is from the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it was a, a very simplistic approach to qadr, and this is, you know, the belief that one should have. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has predestined everything that happens. And this is our belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's qadr. Now let's start off with the verse Today we will only be completing one verse. Munib, if you would do us the honors, insha'Allah. Just one verse, that's it. Translation, yeah. And regarding the preordained qadr, we convinced since it is a pillar that combines many affairs of the religion, and the religion encompasses much. Fantastic. So the first thing we want to talk about over here is the very first part of the verse. He says, Aiqan, that meaning have yaqeen in this. So when it comes to you know knowledge as a science, you'll notice that there's different levels of certainty that a person can have when it comes to knowledge. A person can have speculative knowledge, which is what we will call ilm dhanni. That he's not 100% sure, it could be true, it could not be true. And this, this will vary from in, in terms of levels of doubt. But then you have ilm al-yaqeen, right? Which is what knowledge is within of itself. Knowledge is ilm, which yufidu al-yaqeen, which gives you certainty, which gives you certainty. So he's saying over here that you have to have certainty in the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to have uh, you know, certainty in the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this concept of qadr, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses it many, many times in the Qur'an. And I want to share with you, you know, just a few verses where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the general verses of qadr. The first one is in Surah Al-Qamar verse 49. Surah Al-Qamar verse 49. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, إِنَّ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ خَلَقْنَاهُ بِقَدْر So Surah Al-Qamar verse 49. Indeed, everything we have created in its preordained, predestined manner and matter. So nothing takes place in this world except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has predestined it. Except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has predestined it. Then likewise in Surah Al-A'la, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says, الَّذِي خَلَقَ فَسَوَّى وَالَّذِي قَدَّرَ فَهَدَى That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that created and fashioned and He is the one that proportioned and guided. He is the one that proportioned and guided. So qaddar over here means proportion, meaning every gave everyone its preordained and predestined lot or share. Predestined lot or share. So this is a general approach to Qadr in the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala affirms Qadr for himself. He affirms Qadr for himself. Can we think of any hadith that talk about Qadr besides the hadith of Jibreel? Can we think about any hadith that talk about Qadr with the exception of the hadith of Jibreel? Uh, 
This is going to be a long, awkward silence. <laughs> Go ahead. Ahsant, fantastic. Remind, tell me about the hadith. Can we do something about the, the sound? You can just look into that. I think that, that something in the bass might be really high. Fantastic, yeah. The whole world were together to do you any good. Right. They will not be able to do it. Right. Except it's been destined by Allah. Okay. If the whole world uh, were together to do you any harm, they would not be able to do it except it's been destined to. Fantastic. So this is hadith number 19 in Imam al Nawi's 40 uh, hadith. Where the Prophet told Ibn Abbas that he says, Well, to summarize the hadith, that he says, Look, have knowledge that if this whole Ummah was to gather together to benefit you with something, they would not be able to benefit, with you, benefit you with anything except that Allah had written it for you. And know that if they were to gather together to harm you with something, they would not be able to harm you with anything except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had written it against you. The pens have been lifted and the pages have dried. The pens have been lifted and the pages have dried. So that's one hadith that talks about Qadr. Another hadith that talks about Qadr. You guys know at least two of them for sure. There's two more that you definitely know. Is it the Nawi Rasul? hadith of Abdullah bin Masur talks about the creation of the fetus of the baby in the belly of the mother. Right. It goes through the stages. And then he says that when the last final stage, the last one sends the angel. Uh-huh. He writes for the, in, uh, his life, his risk, whether he'll be uh, successful in the other or not. <laughs> Hold on one second. Khair, inshallah. Sorry about that. The camera Okay, so now, uh, do you remember what we said about the, that, that portion of the hadith? You weren't in that class. So it's not, it's not uh, Wallahu Alam, but it's not actually a part of the hadith. It's not actually a part of the hadith. That, the, the, that Allah writes, that uh, the angels write down four things. Inshallah khair, but that, that was good. So in the hadith of Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhuma, um, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, and Allah knows best that this is from Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, that he, the, the angels write down four things, right? Very good. So that's like from the statements of the companions. So we said that the angels write down his life uh, where he will die, shaqiyun uh, aw sa'id, and will he be happy or, you know, will he be miserable in this life? So that's not what I was referring to, but good attempt. What other hadith do we know about Qadr? Think about an animal that was famous in Arabia. A camel, fantastic. What is the hadith of the camel? Your mom has told, like, generally speaking, your mom and your dad has told you this hadith like so many times. Yes, what, what is the hadith? That's the only part you know. <laughs> you put your have to in Allah. <laughs> so, you know, a man came to the Messenger of Allah and he's like, Ya Rasulullah, you know, I left my, my camel outside. Should I tie it and put my tawakkul in Allah? Or should I just leave it and put my tawakkul in Allah? And the Prophet ﷺ told him that tie it and put your tawakkul in Allah. And tie it and put your tawakkul in Allah. And this is a proper understanding of Qadr. That Qadr does not mean that you don't make any effort at all. But rather the true understanding of, of Qadr is that you take the asbab, you take the means, and then you put your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this, as you will see, is the great difference between the various sects in their belief in Qadr, where one group said, you know what, there is no Qadr whatsoever, everything is you know, upon us. And another group that said, you know what, everything is Qadr. 
everything, absolutely everything is qadr, and we are forced to do the things that we do. So if Allah wants something, He'll make, He'll force it to happen, and you don't need to worry at all. And then the sunnah we came in the middle that, you know what, we take the means and then we put our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but we'll get to that when we get there. We'll get to that when we get there. A very explicit hadith where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, كُلُّ شَيْءٍ بِقَدَرْ حَتَّى الْعَجْزَ وَالْكَيْسِ That, in this report in Sahih Muslim, he says that the Prophet sallallahu said that everything is by qadr, even one's incapability and one's, you know, uh, intuition, one's capability and one's intuition. And this is in Sahih Muslim 2655, 2655. So the Prophet clearly said, everything is by the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything is by the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, as Ahlul Sunnah, our belief in qadr, it has four levels of belief. It has four levels of belief. And we believe that it is through these four levels of belief that if one was to understand each of these four levels, then you would have no problems in Qadr at all. No problems in Qadr at all. But before we get to these four levels, it's very important to understand a statement from the predecessors where they used to say, Al-Qadru Sirullah. That Qadr is the secret of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Qadr is the secret of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does this statement actually mean? What the statement means is that no matter how perfectly you may understand Qadr, there is an element of Qadr that you will not understand. And that is where you need to submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is where you need to submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and just accept it for what it is. One of the greatest questions that you know, boggles the human mind, but we shouldn't get to that level of questioning is, you know, why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala choose to guide this person and not guide that person, right? Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decide that? At the end of the day, that decision is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We will not truly understand it. But we submit to the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses to guide and allow to misguide whomever He pleases, right? So it is the secret of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a, a, a point comes where you cannot understand and fathom the knowledge and wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that is where you just submit. And that is why the, 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 the term Muslim is just about submitting to you know, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to submit to, wanting us to submit to. So the first level of Qadr, Al-Imanu bi'ilm Allahi al-Azali. Al-Imanu bi'ilm Allahi al-Azali. So it is to believe in the preceding knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is to believe in the preceding knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Azali can also mean ancient. But in this context, I believe proceeding is, is more appropriate because ancient means that it's just old, right? It doesn't mean that it doesn't have a beginning, right? It doesn't mean that it does not have a beginning. Whereas when we say, you know, uh, proceeding, meaning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge has been with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for eternity. It has no beginning, it has no end. So Azali over here, I know previously we translated it as ancient, but for translation purposes over here, we'll translate it as proceeding. So belief in the preceding knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows everything that will happen, everything that did happen, and if something could have happened differently, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have known that as well. And those are like, you know, three main points to understand from that. Everything that did happen, everything that will happen, and if, every, if something could have happened differently, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have known about it as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have known it as well. Proof from this from the Quran, Surah Al-Anfal, verse 23. Surah Al-Anfal, verse 23. 
where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَوْ عَلِمَ اللَّهُ فِيهِمْ خَيْرًا لَأَسْمَعَهُمْ وَلَوْ أَسْمَعَهُمْ لَتَوَلَّوْ وَهُمْ مُعْرِضُونَ That had Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala known any good in them, He would have made them hear. And even if they did hear, they would have turned away from the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They would have turned away from uh, you know, the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that you know, His guidance did not come to them because He knew His preceding knowledge was that these, there was no good in these people. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not guide them. That is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not guide them. And then obviously the, the verse in uh, Surah Al-An'am that we studied, verse 59, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the keys of the unseen are with him and no one knows them but he. No one knows them but he. And nothing happens in this earth or in the, the oceans except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has knowledge of it. Not a leaf falls except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has knowledge of it. And this is truly amazing, subhanAllah, that you know even the smallest detail of a snowflake falling. You know, when a snowfall happens, literally millions, if not billions of snowfalls are falling. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made them unique in so many ways. And the fact that a particular snowfall will come and land in a particular place. You know, as young kids, you'd always, you'd, uh, from time to time, you'd stick your tongue out and a snowflake would fall on your tongue. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had destined for that snowflake to fall on your tongue. So you were at that right place at the right time. That snowflake came down at the right place at the right pace at the right time, and you were destined to meet at that time. Now you tie this in particularly, you know, to the people that you meet in your life. That from time to time you will meet people in your life, and they're there to teach you so many things, subhanAllah. Some people, they're there to teach you patience, right? They're there to test your patience. They're, they'll frustrate you, they will annoy you. And you're like, why is this person in my life? They're there to teach you patience. Other people, you know, they're a different type of blessing. We're positive, optimistic people, right? We don't call these people, they're, they're a curse from Allah. We say they're a different type of blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Other people, you can vividly see, you know, what they're there for. Some people are there to guide you. Some people are there to help you. Some people are there just to motivate you and to inspire you. Everything happens for a reason. And this is all preceded in the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why... You know, the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is perhaps the most integral part of it. Because related to the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Allah's wisdom, is Allah's justice, is Allah's love and compassion and generosity. All of these are tied in to the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah's knowledge is encompassed by all of those facets and all of those facets bring about the perfect, perfectly fashioned, designed world that we live in that everything is there in its proper place at its proper time in the fashion that it was meant to be in. And this is all with the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second level of Qadr is Al-Imanu Bil-Kitabah. Al-Imanu Bil-Kitabah. Belief in the writing down of Qadr. Belief in the writing down of Qadr. Now what this is specifically referring to is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written down everything that will take place from the beginning of time till the end of time. In which book? Who knows, what is that book called? Allahul Mahfuz, right? It is called Allahul Mahfuz, the preserved tablet. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written down everything that is going to happen from the beginning of time till the end of time. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, إِنَّ أَوَّلَ مَا خَلَقَ اللَّهُ الْقَلَمْ قَالَ لَهُ أُكْتُبْ فَجَرَى بِتِلْكَ السَّاعَةِ بِمَا هُوَ الْكَائِنْ إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ that the Messenger of Allah said the first thing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created was the pen. He told it to write and it wrote everything that would take place from that time 
till the day of judgment. It wrote everything that would take place from that time till the day of judgment. And this was reported by Imam Ahmad and at Tirmidhi. Reported by Imam Ahmad and at Tirmidhi. In another hadith, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he says, كَتَبَ اللَّهُ مَقَادِيرُ الْخَلَائِقِ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَخْلُقُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ بِخَمْسِينَ أَلْفِ سَنَةِ وَعَرْشُهُ عَلَى الْمَاءِ رَوَاهُ الْمُسْلِمِ That the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written, you know, the destiny of all of creation before the creation of the heavens and the earth by 50,000 years, by 50,000 years. And this hadith was reported by Muslim. This hadith was reported by Muslim. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He had Qadr written down 50,000 years before the creation of the heavens and the earth. Before we were even created, before this world was created, 50,000 years before it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had the Qadr written down um, 50,000 years before it. And this is all part of the perfect plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like all of that preparation of one thing leading to the other, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had destined it and written it down 50,000 years before it even uh, uh, you know, took place. 50,000 years before it even took place. For the memorizers of the Qur'an, can anyone think of any verses that talk about the kitabah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the writing down of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Verses, go ahead. Fantastic. So Ummul Kitab over here is referring to the, the Lohul Mahfud. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, destines as He pleases. Fantastic. Another verse. Can we think of another verse that talks about the writing down of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? <laughs> you can't remember. <laughs> it's like it's somewhere in the Quran, you know, it's somewhere in there. So let me give you one that's very uh, clear. This is in Surah Al-Qamar 52 and 53, where Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala says, وَكُلُّ شَيْءٍ فَعَلُوهُ فِي الزُّبْرِ وَكُلُّ صَغِيرٍ وَكَبِيرٍ مُسْتَطَر So Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala He says that everything that they do is in a book, and every small and big has been lined, meaning has been written down, has been written down. Surah Qamar 52 and 53. Another verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about this. He says, أَلَمْ تَعْلَمْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ يَعْلَمُ مَا فِي السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ إِنَّ ذَلِكَ فِي كِتَابِ إِنَّ ذَلِكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ يَسِيرٌ So this is Surah Hajj, verse 70. Surah Hajj, verse 70. That do they not, do you not know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows everything in the heavens and the earth? All of that is in a book and everything is easy for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and everything is easy for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now that is a general book of Qadr. That is a general book of Qadr that has the Qadr of everything in it, right? And as individuals, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written specific Qadr for us. Specific Qadr for us. Yarhamukallah. The specific Qadr is the book that will be presented to you on the Day of Judgment, right? That in Surah Al-Kahf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, لا يغادر صغيرة ولا كبيرة إلا أحصاها That this, you know, what is with this book? That not a small thing or a big thing took place or that we did, except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had it written down. So over here, this is like the consequence of that initial book. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote it down, we did those actions, and they were further written down again. They were further written down again. So that is the consequence of that first Qadr that took place. Now, is all of Qadr one type? Is all of Qadr one type in terms of its writing? And the answer to that is no. The answer to that is no. So the Qadr that is written in Lawh al-Mahfuz, that Qadr will never change. That Qadr will never change. Once it is written down, then that is the Qadr that will take place till the end of time. That is the Qadr that will not change. Now what do we mean by Qadr changing? 
There's the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ reported in the Tirmidhi where the Prophet ﷺ, he says, nothing changes qadr other than dua. Nothing changes qadr other than dua. And this is not the only hadith that talks about qadr, but there's an, uh, about the changing of qadr. But the Prophet ﷺ said in a, in a different hadith that nothing prolongs one's life like what prolongs one's life? Silatul Raham, maintaining good times with one's family. So that is another example of Qadr being changed. So what Qadr is this referring to? What Qadr is this referring to? This is the Qadr that the scholars talk about that is written down at various stages in one's life, at various stages in one's life. So the hadith of Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu with the ikhtilaf, you know, is that the statement of Ibn Mas'ud or of the Prophet sallallahu with the assumption it is from the Prophet Sallallahu or even from Ibn Mas'ud, that Ibn Mas'ud wouldn't speak out of his own desire. He must have heard it from the Prophet Sallallahu just in this hadith, it's not from the Prophet Sallallahu uh, with a difference of opinion. That that is the qadr that's written down at the, at the beginning of one's life, right? That how long he will live, where he will die, will he be happy and content, you know, his sustenance. All of these are written down at the, his birth. That type of qadr, it can change based upon the deeds that a person does, actions that a person takes. Another type of Qadr that is written down is Qadr that is written down on the night of Laylatul Qadr. That on that night, the Qadr for the following year is written down, everything that will take place. So that Qadr is also written down. There's a verse in Surah Al-Rahman, which Qatada, the student of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, understood as every day there is a Qadr that is written down. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, that every day Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is engaged in, in, in something, right? They said that this is the writing down of Qadr, that every day there's a Qadr that is written down. So the Qadr that is in the Loh al-Mahfuz, that Qadr does not change. But the Qadr that is written down at other times can change through dua and can change through the actions that we do. What's important to understand over here is why are those actions, actually, like what is the role of those actions? The role of those actions is just like everything else, you're hungry, you go to the fridge, you need money, you go out to work, then likewise, when you need something, you make dua, you want your life prolonged, you do it through keeping good ties of kinship, you do it through good ties of kinship. There are means of asbab, there are asbab, there are means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made for us to change the, uh, our fate and to our, our destiny to a certain degree, change our fate and destiny to a certain degree. So that is the second type of belief in Qadr, which is the writing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The third type, uh, the third level of belief in Qadr is Al-Imanu bi Mashiatillah wa Iradatihi. Al-Imanu bi Mashiatillah wa Iradatihi. Now these two terms are very important to understand, Mashiah and Irada. Mashiah and Irada. But before we get to that, let's take some verses from the Quran where Allah affirms this. The first is Surah Al-Takwir, verse 29. That you will not wish for anything or desire anything except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has willed it already, Lord of all the worlds. Lord of all the worlds. Lord of all the worlds. Um, in this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it clear that anything that we wish and desire and will, it will not take place except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has willed it already. So what is the difference between Mashiach and Irada? The Mashiach of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is of only one type. And this is what we will call the will, the general will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if something takes place, something doesn't take place, this is the Mashiach of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is what we call Mashiach. If it will take place or not take place, this is the Mashiach of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The irada of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
is of two types. The irada of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is of two types. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's translated as wants, but I need you to understand more the concept more than the translation that we're using. Understand the concept more than the translation that we're using. So the first type of irada is al-iradatul kawniyah. Al-iradatul kawniyah is what Allah wants from His creation generally. From what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from His creation generally. What we mean by this, al-iradatul kawniyah is everything that we as human beings have no role in whatsoever. Everything that we as human beings have no role in whatsoever. When the sun rises, when the sun sets, the, the, the positioning of the mountains, the positioning of the clouds, when someone lives, when someone dies, all of this we have no role in whatsoever. This is al-iradatul kawniyah. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the kawn, the universal law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is what you know, an appropriate translation is. The universal law is al-iradatul kawniyah. The, the, the law that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created everything to be dictated by. That is al-iradatul kawniyah. Then the second type of irada is al-iradatul shar'iyah. Al-iradatul shar'iyah. And what this means is, these are the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us, wants from us in terms of either doing them or abstaining from them. Either doing them or abstaining from them. This is the al-iradatul shari'ah, meaning the, the legislative, you know, wanting of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what this means is that there are certain things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to do which are legislated. And these are things like praying, things like fasting, things like being good to our neighbor, things like doing good deeds in general. Things that Allah wants us to abstain from as well. Things like lying, things like stealing, things like you know, fornication and adultery. These are all things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to stay away from. Right? So now when you read a verse, وَمَا تَشَاءُونَ إِلَّا أَنْ يَشَاءَ Allah, That you will not will something, except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has willed it already. Can someone say that, you know what, I committed this bad deed because Allah willed it? Can we argue that? That I committed this bad deed because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala willed it? And the answer to that is no. That nothing happens without the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and without the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the bad that happens and the bad that you do is from your own self. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't force you to do that. You had a conscious choice in doing that, right? It was not enforced upon you. And this is where the understanding of the iradatul kawniyah and iradatul shari'ah is important. That al-iradatul kawniyah is imposed upon you. There's nothing that you can do that can delay the rising of the sun. You know, you're waking up late for Fajr, there's like five minutes left. There's nothing that you can do that can slow the sun down, right? This is the iradatul kawniyah. On the other hand, what you can change are the deeds that you do. You know, no one's stopping you from doing good deeds. No one's forcing you to do bad deeds. That is what is, you know, uh, pertaining to you. Now, that was number one, that you have no role in uh, kawniyah, you have full role in shari'ah. A second thing to understand is what will you be questioned about? Will you be questioned about kawniyah or will you be questioned about shari'ah? The answer to that is that you will only be questioned about the shari'ah. You will only be, be questioned about that which you are responsible for. You will not be questioned about that which you are not responsible for. So this is a second you know, understanding of al-iradatul shari'ah, that you will only be questioned about the second type and not the first. So only that which is pertaining to you. Only that which is pertaining to you. So that is the mashiyah and the irada of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the fourth and last level of belief in Qadr. The fourth and last level of belief in Qadr. Al-Imanu bil-Ijadi wal-Khalq. Al-Imanu bil-Ijadi wal-Khalq. 
So this is belief in the perfect creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Belief in the perfect creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does this actually mean? What this means is that everything besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is created. Everything besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is created. Now it's important to understand about the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created some things through a means and some things without a means. Okay, what does that mean exactly? Simple human creation. Adam alayhi salam was created without a mother and father. He was created directly with Allah, through, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Allah created him with his own two hands. So this is a direct creation without any means taking place whatsoever. Our creation, we are not as miraculous in nature. You know, some of us, mashallah, we are quite miraculous. We're not as miraculous as that. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us through our parents. That, you know, our parents got together. We were born through our parents. So this is a means through, uh, this, we, this is a creation through means. A creation through means. Now, there was an example that some of the predecessors uh, mentioned over here. Inshallah, it'll, it'll come back to me. It deals with the apple tree. It deals with the apple tree. Yeah, so, okay, this is how we're going to tie it in. So the reason why we mentioned that everything except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is created is that if you have a bad apple, do you blame the tree? If you have a bad apple, do you blame the tree? You know, why did the tree make this bad apple, right? You don't, you, you, you don't blame the, the, the tree per se, right? You say that, you know, so many things could have happened that made the apple the way it was. It could have fallen, you know, some, the water was contaminated, the soil was contaminated. You know, so many things could have happened. But no one in the right mind says, you know, it's all the tree's fault. The, the, the tree must have done this, right? Now, the way that we're tying this in is that when it comes to the good deeds that we do, then the good deeds are purely from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The good deeds are purely from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whereas the bad deeds that we do, then they are not from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but they are purely from ourselves, purely from ourselves. And this is, you know, from the dua of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He used to say at the end of his dua, وَالشَّرُّ لَيْسَ إِلَيْكَ That evil is not attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Evil is not attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Evil is attributed to mankind himself. Evil is attributed to mankind himself. Now there's a, a funny story about, you know, uh, a scholar in the past dealing with like a really like weird, funny person. Where this person... When it came to good deeds, he wouldn't do any of them. When it came to bad deeds, he would do all of them, right? And the scholar of the past told him that when it comes to good deeds, you are qadari, and when it comes to bad deeds, you are jabari. And what does this exactly mean? What this means is that, you know, when it comes to good deeds, people are like, you know what, if Allah wanted me to do it, He would have made me do it, right? If Allah wanted me to do it, He would have made me do it. But when it comes to bad deeds, what do they say? You know what? Allah forced me to do this deed. Allah forced me to, to, to steal. Allah forced me to lie. Allah forced me to, to commit this sin, right? So when it comes to the good deeds, they're like, you know what? If Allah wants me to do it, He'll compel me to do it. And when it comes to bad deeds, they're like, we were compelled to do so. We were compelled to do so. And this leads us into our discussion of, you know, what are the different groups in terms of their belief in Qadr? Different groups in terms of their belief in Qadr. Who can tell me what the first hadith inside Sahih Muslim is? You open up Sahih Muslim, what is hadith number one? Who knows? Question would be something to do with, I think it would be Umar. Okay. And then he was talking to someone regarding Qadr. I don't remember the exact details. You don't remember the details. 
Do you remember the, what the hadith was though? That's like this introduction to the hadith. Yeah, so that you mentioned the introduction, but what's the actual hadith? Hadith is Jibreel. So, is the first hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari. The first hadith inside Sahih Muslim is the hadith of Jibreel. The hadith of Jibreel. Now, the introduction to the hadith of Jibreel is that two men came to Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu anhu. And they said, Ya Abu Abdurrahman, look, there's a, a group of people that deny the preceding knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They deny the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu anhu, he told these people that, look, Tell these people that I am free from them and they are free from me. By Allah, if these people donated and, and sacrificed, uh, you know, Mount Uhud in gold, it would not be accepted from them. It would not be accepted from them. For I heard my, my father say that one day an angel came to the Prophet and he mentions the hadith of Jibreel. So that is the introduction to the hadith. Where Abdullah bin Umar anhuma, it shows us that one of the first, you know, signs of deviation that took place during the time of the Sahaba was the uh, deviation of Qadr, was the deviation of Qadr. And the first group we will speak about is the Qadariyah. The first group we will speak about is the Qadariyah. And the Qadariyah are those, is that group that denied Qadr altogether. They denied Qadr altogether. They're like, Allah does not have knowledge, and we will see the various phases that they went through. They denied the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they denied the writing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they denied that Allah had you know, any will, or He created you know, the actions, and so on and so forth. But one thing I did forget to do, is that I did not give you verses from the Quran for the fourth level of Qadr, correct? I didn't give you verses. So let's go back to that, then we'll get back to this inshallah. So verses from the Quran uh, that talk about this. Uh, number one, Surah Al-Zumar, verse 62. Surah Al-Zumar, verse 62. Allahu khaliku kulli shay, wa huwa ala kulli shayin wakil. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created everything and He is uh, you know, an entrustee for everything. Number two, Surah Safat, verse 96. Surah Safat, verse 96. وَاللَّهُ خَلَقَكُمْ وَمَا تَعْمَلُونَ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created you and that which you do. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created you and that which you do. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that everything is created, even the actions that we commit, even the actions that we commit. However, the actions that we do, the good of them is attributed to Allah, the bad of them is attributed to ourselves. The bad of them is attributed to ourselves. Now let's get back to the Qadriya. So the first level of Qadriya, is this is what we call we will call al-ghulat al-qadariya, meaning they are the you know uh, uh, the exaggerated qadariya, and they are the ones that denied all of the four levels of qadar, but most importantly they denied the preceding knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa taala, and they denied the writing of Allah subhanahu wa taala. They denied these two aspects of you know Allah subhanahu wa taala's qadar, His knowledge and His writing. Now obviously if you deny the knowledge and the writing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by default, actually by denying the first one, by default you're denying you know, the, other, the, the, the other four, right? the other three, sorry. By default that's what ends up happening. So this is the first group of Qadariyah. Now, the Qadariyah were also called the Majus of this Ummah. They were also called the Majus of this Ummah. This is a famous terminology that is attributed to the Prophet and many, many of the predecessors. Why are they called the Majus of this Ummah? The Majus, if you look at them, they believed in a God that created good and they believed in a God that created bad. They believed in a God that created good and a God that created bad. Now, why are they called the Majus of this Ummah? Because they believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created things, but then they also believe that we ourselves are creators, that we create our own destiny. We create our own destiny, that all of our actions are self-created. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has nothing to do with them. That is why they're called the Majus of this Ummah. So that is the first level of uh, Qadariyah, the Ghulat al-Qadariyah. 
The second level of Qadariyyah is those that only denied the last two aspects of the Maratib of Qadr. They denied the last two levels of Qadr, which is that the, the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the creation of our actions, and the creation of our actions. Which particular group held this belief? It was the Mu'tazila that held this belief. The Mu'tazila, they held this belief that look, we are free to do as we please. While Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows everything, He does not actually will our actions. There's no will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when it comes to our actions. There's no will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when it comes to our actions. So those are the two levels of you know, the Qadariyya, the old of them and the new of them. The old of them, they denied everything. The new of them, they affirmed the first two, they denied the last two, they denied the last two. Now we get to the Jabariyya. Now we get to the Jabariyya. And the Jabariyya were those group that believed that we were compelled to do everything, that we have no free will whatsoever. We have no free will whatsoever. And their biggest you know, misinterpretation was when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the kawn, they understood from the, 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 the role of the kawn, the universal laws, that they apply to us as well. That the, everything, like in the, the rising of the sun, the setting of the sun, happens by this universal law, and that applies to us as well. That everything that is meant to happen will be you know, from the, the qadr of Allah only, and that we are compelled to do these things. Now, even from a logical argument, it's very, very easy to refute this. And this is what you know, Ibn Saymiyyah rahimahullah mentions. That when you look at Ahlul Bid'ah, the people of innovation, one of the first things you'll notice about them is the uh, contradiction in their beliefs. The contradiction in their beliefs and the way, they, the way that they present things. So for example, you know, they do a bad deed, they'll be like, I was compelled to do this. Allah forced me to do this. You slap the person in the face and you're like, you know what, I was forced to slap you in the face. And they're like, no you weren't, you did that of your own, into, like, your own accord, right? And that's like a contradiction in his belief. That he's not going to believe in the, the, in the, that you were compelled to do so anymore, right? This is like, just like, you know, the contradiction in their beliefs. So in terms of the Jabariyyah, Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah, he actually argued that not only are they the, the stupider out of the two because their argument is very fallacious, but also in fact they're the more eviler out of the two. They're the more eviler out of the two. Because they don't want to accept accountability for their own sins. They want to attribute their sins to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They want to attribute their sins to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How do you refute both of these groups together with one set of verses? Surah Al-Taqweer 28 and 29. Surah Al-Taqweer verse 28 and 29. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He says, لِمَنْ شَاءَ مِنْكُمْ أَنْ يَسْتَقِيمُ وَمَا تَشَاءُونَ إِلَّا أَنْ يَشَاءَ اللَّهُ رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ That whoever amongst you wants to rectify himself, then he is able to do so. And you will not will anything except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has willed it already. You will not will anything except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has willed it already. لِمَنْ شَاءَ مِنْكُمْ this is a refutation of the Jabariyyah. This is a refutation of the Jabariyyah. وَمَا تَشَاءُونَ إِلَّا أَنْ يَشَاءَ اللَّهِ Then this is a refutation of the Qadariyyah. This is a refutation of the Qadariyyah. Now, in terms of the different groups, where did they fall in their beliefs? So let's talk about the Ashaira first. The Ashaira, they will not openly come out and say, we are Jabariyyah. They will not openly come out and say that we are Jabariyyah. But when you look at you know, their beliefs in Qadr, it seems that they are closer to the Jabariyyah. It, it seems that they're closer to the Jabariyyah. What is the actual term that they use to talk about Qadr? They use a term called Kasb. A term called Kasb. 
You know, when we talk about, you know, working to earn one's risk, we call this kasb al-risk, right? When it comes to qadr, they call their, their, their term kasb as well. Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah, he talks about three words that are used in Islamic theology that do not make sense. Meaning that no matter how much you try to understand them, they will not truly make sense. So he says, ثَلَاثَ كَلِمَاتٍ لَا تُعْرَفْ الْكَسْبُ عِنْدَ الْعَشْعَرِ وَالْحَالُ عِنْدَ الْبَحْشَمِ وَالْتَرْفُ عِنْدَ النَّظِمِ So these three words, kasb, uh, hal, uh, and tarf, you know, they're used by different theologians of the past, but the one that we want to focus on is kasb. So kasb over here, as defined by the ash'ara, they said this is as if you are carrying a table. It is as if you are carrying a table. And this table has two people carrying it. One of them is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you know, it's amazing how they, you know, attribute anthropomorphism to Ahl sunnah <laughs> Do you look at this example? This is like complete anthropomorphism. They, they're like two people are carrying this table. And one person is carrying the table in its complete weight and its complete totality. And the second person is just like holding on to it. So this is like, you know, when you're moving someone's stuff, there's one guy that's strong is helping out and he's doing like the burden of the work. And the other guy just being lazy, he's just like showing that, hey, you know, I'm actually carrying something when in fact he's putting no strength or effort into it whatsoever. This is their understanding of Qadr, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that is putting in all the effort and we're just, you know, doing the action of portrayal, right? That is their understanding. And, and this is again my limited understanding of what the Qasb is and, and Al-Ashaira. But if you look at what the scholars of Ahlul Sunnah define it as, this is like what they define as Qasb, that there's a major player, a major role player, a minor role player. Human beings are the minor role player. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a major role player. And at the end of the day, we are in fact compelled to do the things that we do. We don't have a, f a free choice in those actions. We don't have a free choice in those actions. The Shia groups, they were also from, the, from this group. The Rafidah, they are, are from this group of, of Jabariyah. They believe that they, we, you know, we were compelled to, to, to do the actions that we do. We were compelled to do the actions that we were uh, to do. I didn't uh, clearly understand their arguments or their understanding of why they developed it, but this is what is attributed to them, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. The last thing I want to talk about is the role of taking the means and, and qadr, the role of taking the means and taking qadr. So we already mentioned the hadith of the camel, that the Prophet told the man, tie your camel, put your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tie your camel and put your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then in the second hadith, and this is a hadith reported by Bukhari 4948, it's in Bukhari 4948, and in Muslim 2647, in Muslim 2647. And this is an important hadith to understand when we talk about actions over here. So the Prophet was asked, O Messenger of Allah, that you know since destiny is predestined, does that mean we have to do good deeds? Meaning if Jannah is already written for us, Jahannam is already written down for some people, you know, why, what is the point of doing actions, right? That is what the Sahaba radiallahu anhum are asking the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he says, he responds by saying, فَكُلٌّ مُيَسِّرٌ لِمَا خُلِقَ لَهُ فَمَنْ كَانَ مِنْ أَحْلِ السَّعَادَةِ يَسَّرَهُ اللَّهُ لِعَمَلِ أَحْلِ السَّعَادَةِ وَمَنْ كَانَ مِنْ أَحْلِ الشَّقَاوَةِ يَسَّرَهُ اللَّهُ so here the Prophet ﷺ, he responds by saying that each and every individual will find easy that which he was created for. Will find easy that he, which he was created for. So whoever is from the abode of happiness, Allah will make easy for him the actions of the abode, the, uh, the actions of the people of the abode of happiness. And whoever, whoever is from the abode of, you know, treachery and, and shakawa, like 
uh, unpleasant full stuff, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make easy for him those actions, will make easy for him those actions. So here the Prophet is again commanding the, the companions عنهم, that you need to take action in your life, right? You need to take action in your life. And these actions are what will lead you towards the path of paradise and will or will lead you towards the path of the hellfire. Now what is this, why is this particularly important and relevant? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation, it has guidelines. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not, you know, just randomly choose and place people in paradise and in the hellfire, right? Allah will not just randomly place them there, say, you know what, this one looks good, so let's make him from the people of paradise. This one's ugly, so let's put him in Jahannam. That's not how the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala work. But they're based upon actions, right? Those actions that incur the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah will be merciful to them. Those actions that incur the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will show him the, his wrath, right? That's the way it works. So at the end of the day, if a person does no action, they cannot expect to receive mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in terms of paradise, right? Allah will show them other forms of mercy in this world, but in terms of paradise, it is only for those people that did the actions that incurred mercy. And likewise, in terms of the hellfire, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will show His wrath and will show His anger to those people that did the actions that were uh, incurring of it. And this shows us the importance of, you know, taking action at all times. You cannot just, uh, you know, merely say, I'm putting my trust in Allah. But as Muslims, we are people of action. We do not just believe in theoreticals. We are people of action. You want to go to paradise, you have to do the, the actions of the people of paradise. You want to abstain from the hellfire, you need to avoid the actions of the people of hellfire. And that is how a person gets there. That is how a person gets there. Now, from this hadith, we understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make easy for the path to paradise for the one that it is destined for. And will make easy the path of the hellfire, the one that is destined for it. Notice over here, the Prophet ﷺ did not say that Allah will compel you to do those actions. Right? He will not compel you to do the actions of the people of paradise. He will not compel you to do the actions of the people of hellfire. But those people that are destined to go there, it will be manifest in their actions. Right? Those, it will be manifest in their actions. So there's no such thing as getting to paradise without actions. There's no such thing as abstaining from the, from the hellfire without abstaining from those actions. So it is a conscious decision that people make in terms of going to Jannah and Jahannam. It is a conscious decision that people make in terms of going to Jannah and Jahannam. And this goes back to that verse in Surah Al-Taqweer, that whoever amongst you wants to rectify himself has the ability to do so. That when it comes to faith, when it comes to religion, there is no excuse of Qadr. This is a conscious decision that all of us make, right? We cannot say we were compelled to do this bad. And when it comes to, to, yeah, to good deeds, we're like, you know what, if Allah wanted me to do so, I could have done so. Right? So this is just a, a brief introduction to Qadr. If you would like more information uh, on Qadr, I can recommend two resources in the English language for you guys, inshallah. Number one is the translation of the Sharh of Al-Aqidatul Wasatiyah by Sheikh Ibn Uthaymeen. We have it available in our library. It's, it's two brown books with like golden pages. So that has a detailed explanation of the belief of Ahl-Sunnah and a refutation of the deviant groups when it comes to Qadr. That is perhaps the most detailed thing. I don't know if that's available for free online. I haven't seen it. Um, another book which is available for free online is An Introduction to Qadr by Dr. Saleh al-Saleh. This is translated into English and is available on that other site that I alluded to in a previous lecture. You can download it for free over there. Another uh, resource that I recommend, it's not a book, 
but it's like a compilation of notes. Sheikh Walid Basini taught Rays of Faith, and in it he talks about Qadr. It's very well presented, so you can download the notes for Rays of Faith as well uh, by Sheikh Walid Basini. Those are resources in English. Can we think of anything else in the English language? Fantastic, Sheikh uh, Omar al-Ashkar. Sheikh Omar al-Ashkar's Aqidah series uh, is seven or eight volumes. One of those volumes is about Qadr. One of those volumes is about Qadr. You can read more over there as well. That's a fantastic resource. And that ca too can be downloaded for free, inshallah. Any other resources? Go ahead. In English? I'm talking about English. <laughs> I'm sure you did. <laughs> Um, so yeah, those, that's it for resources in English. In terms of resources in Arabic, then there are many, many resources that, that, that come in, in Arabic. That any sharh of al-wasatiyah, any sh detailed sharh of al-tahawiyah, you know, any sharh of uh, any major aqidah book, you know, except for the books that are in ibadat, you will find uh, an explanation of uh, qadr in it. Yeah. Okay, so how do they look it up? What what do they look? I know, but what do they look up? <laughs> you find that, inshallah. We will conclude with that. Wallahu ta'ala alam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Yeah, we're going to do questions, inshallah. I'm trying to think if I forgot anything. Yeah, that's it. I, I don't have anything else to add. So let's do questions. Yeah, go ahead. That can be changed, yes. So why Allah does Allah to be written down first and then to be changed if they're changed? So the first question is in the, pro the, the problem of the way we question. We shouldn't ask why, right? right? What is the possible wisdom behind it? To give people hope, you know, at the end of the day that people should never think that, you know what, this is what has been destined for me, I have no control in it, right? And part of our belief is that there is a qadr that changes through the good deeds that we do and the bad deeds that we do. In another hadith, and there's like a weakness in the hadith, that nothing decreases one's risk like the sins that we do, right? So they shows you that good deeds and bad deeds, they work both ways. Good deeds you do, they increase your sustenance, increase your qadr. Bad deeds that you do, they actually decrease your risk and, you know, decrease, quote-unquote, Qadr over here. So one of the possible wisdoms is the element uh, of hope, that there's always hope for change, hope for, for betterment, hope for improvement, hope to strive harder. That's one of the wisdoms behind it. If I was to think of another wisdom behind this, is to, to work harder as well, right? That, you know, the Prophet ﷺ, he tells us, ihras ala ma that, you know, actively pursue that which is beneficial to you. So all of us, we want the good aspects of Qadr and you have to actively pursue them in order for them to take place. You want to be a successful businessman, you need to start up a business. You can't just sit in your couch, you know, on your computer and say, you know, a business is going to start up, right? So the, the, to actively pursue things, that's the second wisdom behind it. Wallahu alam. I don't know. Go ahead. So you cannot blame anyone. You cannot say, oh, they shouldn't have uh, flied by that plane. Oh. I should have left on that day, I should have waited. Yeah, the Prophet actually explicitly forbade us from that. He said, do not say, if I did so and so, فَإِنَّ لَوْ يَفْتَحُ عَمَلُ الشَّيْطَانِ Because such statements, they open up the door of shaitan, making you think that if you did something differently, you could actually control your destiny. At the end of the day, if Allah wanted you to die, no matter what you did at that time, you would have died. Either by a plane crashing in the plane, or the plane crashing on top of you, right? Everything is by the qadr of Allah from that aspect. But is it fair to, for me to be scared? Oh, I'm going to fly now. I know I have to. I mean, I'm going to Africa, right? No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. There's more chances of you dying while crossing the street than there is like in, an, in, in a plane crash.
right? So from that aspect, put your trust in Allah and wherever you are meant to die, whenever you are meant to die, whatever fashion you're meant to die in, Allah has written that down already and it will not escape you. Even if you don't go on that plane, if you're meant to die on the plane, you'll somehow end up there, subhanAllah. Right? So we just try our best and put our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Oh yeah, no problem. Any other last questions? Go ahead. Uh huh. That wasn't me. I don't know who mentioned that. There, there are some narrations that allude to that, that the angels have their own books through which the, they document Qadr and change the Qadr. In terms of anything authentic, I, I don't know anything authentic about that. Wallahu alam. Khubib. Yeah. Yes. It is an authentic hadith, yeah. How do you can rewatch this halaqa, inshallah. We actually discussed this hadith in particular. Yeah, no problem. So you can rewatch the halaqa. No problem, inshallah. We'll discuss it. It was discussed there. Allahu alam. Here we'll conclude with that. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Shadun la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa tubu ilayk.